again. Lord, we just thank you this morning that you're with us in these next few moments. As we look at your word, I pray you would encourage us, Lord. I pray you'd strengthen us, Lord. I pray you'd speak to every heart, every family represented here this morning. And we thank you for it in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can take a seat this morning. Give someone an elbow bump on the way down. It's good to be in church together this morning. And I think it's great that when the church gathers together, there's something beautiful about that. You know, we're not made to do life alone. We're actually made to do. We are designed by God to do life together. And I think it's the best way to live out our faith is to do it together. Jesus didn't just meet with his disciples one-on-one. They grew together in a team as disciples. They did life together. They did meals together. They spent time together. And they processed the seasons of life together. And that's the blessing and the strength of the church of Jesus Christ. That in every season, we are together. We're doing life. No one's left behind. No one's left alone. And I love the beauty of the church, the power of the collective church together. You know, this month, we've been talking about the topic of strengthening home. And I'm excited, just like, Dan, uh, just like Tim's just mentioned before, we have our cafe, which is opening uh, very soon, hopefully in early July. Uh, that's going to be opening up, DCH Cafe. And so the announcement of that has happened this week, and it's been, um, I guess, put out there to our community. And that's a really exciting time because that's going to mean more people from our community are coming on site, are connecting through the week, are really realizing that we're all not just weirdos, um, Christians here, but they're exposed to the church. They're exposed to each of us as we come in through the week or on a Sunday as well. And so I'm really excited about that opportunity. It's, a, it's, a play, it's an opportunity to really strengthen our home, the church, to really see more and more people get involved and, and just find out about us. But this whole month is talking about strengthening home. And really our, our prayer for this month is just not that we would just come and talk about City Church and what you can do for City Church. We really wanted this month to be about your home. How can we see God's strength in your home, in your family, in your friendships? And this morning we're going to talk about finances. We're really going to believe for God's strength in your finances. That you would see His blessing and favor, that you'd be able to look back in the years to come and see what God has done in your life financially. So I want to talk to you today about finances. I want to talk about financial freedom. But really, when I talk about financial freedom today, when I talk about finances, I'm not coming to you with Ben's self-help book about finances. I'm not coming to you today as an expert financial advisor. I'm not coming to you with any of those qualifications. I'll tell you what I'm coming with you today with. I'm coming with the Bible. I'm coming with a biblical perspective on finances. In fact, in the Bible, there are over 2,000 scriptures about money. There is a lot to be said about money. I think over 15% of all that Jesus preached in the Bible was about finances and about money. I think as as they say 11 out of 12 out of the 36 parables that Jesus spoke were to do with finances. There was a lot that Jesus said about money. There was a lot that was said about finances. And I guess I just want to speak to that this morning. The reason I want to talk about it is because finances cause so much stress in our world today. You know, I read this statistic through this week. 40% of Aussies 
are stressed and under financial hardship right now. And the stress from that is causing mental stress, emotional stress and anxiety. This is a shocking statistic, but 57% of young people between 18 and 29 would say they are at a high level of stress right now because of finances. The uncertainty of finances, the stress of finances, that is a huge statistic. You know, think about how hard it is for a young person to consider trying to get a deposit for a house, to be able to think about their financial future at a time where you literally have to have tens of thousands of dollars to be able to even get a deposit to be able to start that process. And it's a stressful time. It's a difficult time. One of the leading causes of marriage breakdown is because of financial stress. In fact, I think it's the top one in Australia is financial stress is the leading cause of marriage breakdown. So it's really not just about money. It's about the impact that money can have on our life. The stress, the burdens, the frustrations, and we have all felt it. We have all experienced those times where we felt squeezed and, and money has caused us to be stressed. What about the stress of feeling about how am I going to retire? Where am I going to retire? How am I going to have the finances to support that? Every element of life, there is stress when it comes to finances. And I think it's really important that we combat the stress, the anxiety, the strained relationships, the depression that can be caused, the self-focused living, the, the desperate decisions that we can make when we are under financial stress. I think it's really important that we confront that and say, hey, what's, what's God say about this? What's a biblical perspective about living with financial freedom? So 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 says this, As for the rich in this present age, which is every one of us in this room, if we are blessed to live in Australia and the blessing of this incredible nation, we are in the top 5% of the whole world when it comes to financial strength. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. See how important that scripture is right there. Stress can cause us to live with such fear and anxiety. And the focus of our life is not financial strength. The financial uh, strength comes from understanding our focus is actually Jesus. Our focus is God. When we focus on Him, we are being obedient to what God has called us to do. It says He don't hope in the uncertainty of riches. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. See, worship with your wealth, but don't worship your wealth. Worship with your wealth, but don't worship your wealth. So much of the stress and anxiety we have is because we start to get those priorities out of place. We start to put the stresses of our finances above God. We start to do the planning of how am I going to do this? How am I going to pay for that? We start putting that ahead of our trust in God. Do you know that every one of us, when we leave this earth, we don't take anything with us. We do not take anything with us. I sat with someone this week and they were talking about, as they, as they said goodbye to their mum, they said, you know what, I saw that person and they took nothing with them. 
None of the things that we thought were important in this world, none of the memorability or the money or any of the things that they had, the possessions that they had, none of those things went with them. It's only our relationship with God, our connection to God that we take into eternity. And so we spend so much time on this earth, the 80, 90, 100 years that we have running around chasing all this financial thing, jumping on the treadmill of, I need to get here, I need to get there. Instead of understanding that we, we first must just place our trust in God and allow Him to outwork the rest of it. So seven decisions to make to give you financial freedom in your life. And these are all biblical. These are all straight out of the Bible. The first one's this. Number one, tithe. Put God first. It seems like tithing is a controversial issue. It can be one that can cause division even between Christians and between the church and different people have those points of view. And today, honestly, I'm just tackling this from a biblical point of view. I'm not trying to give Ben's opinion. I'm trying to just give what the Bible says about these issues. And the truth is, when it comes to tithing, tithing's not about me. It's not about City Church or any of the, the, the staff or, the, or the, the leaders of this church. Tithing is something that we make a decision between ourselves and God. Now, if you tithe in City Church and you, you give towards God in that way, give the first 10% of your income... Praise God for that. If you don't tithe at City Church, praise God for you. At the end of the day, there is no difference in, your, in our love and our appreciation for who you are, whether you give or you don't give. Your value to God is not different because of your giving or you're not giving. You can't earn God's love and you can't lose God's love. The truth is our stability in Christ is the foundation of our life. Now, our finances is an overflow of that, but there is never any pressure to give or to not give. Whether you do or you don't, you will never, ever be treated any different. Your salvation is not at stake. You're not going to lose your mansion in heaven. You're not going to lose any of those things. Probably I'm saying too much. Maybe I should be more manipulative. But that is the truth. Your value does not change from that. But tithing is a principle that is written in the Word of God. It's spoken about in the Old Testament, and then Jesus refers to it in the New Testament. Sometimes people misunderstand, and they think that it's just an Old Testament principle, that it doesn't carry over to the New. But Jesus actually refers to it and says, these things you should do, talking about tithing, but you also need to have the heart. It's not just about having your ducks in a row and, and tithing and, and doing keeping all of the rules. It's actually also about your heart, your heart for others, your heart for compassion, caring for people, not just being callous in those ways. It says in Malachi 3.10, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Anybody want that in their life? A blessing poured down upon you until there is no more need. That's what, it's the only time in scripture that God actually says to test him on this. I think what a powerful principle. You're not testing Ben on this. I'm not responsible for producing the overflow until you have no need. I wish I could do that for you all, but I can't. We're talking about Jehovah Jireh, the provider. We're talking about God that is the source of all strength, all provision. We're talking about the God that has the ability and the strength to be able to bring supernatural increase into your life. And he refers to it in this scripture here where he says, test me 
on this. If you trust me in this way, I will provide. See, tithing is not even just about the rules of, of 10%, even though that's, that's the structure of how it's said. What tithing is about, it's the principle of putting God first. Saying, God, with the income that I received, with the increase that I received, God, I am putting you first. It's a statement of faith. It's a statement of saying, I don't trust in my riches. I don't trust in my finances. I trust in God. And when we do that, it talks about the blessing that will flow out of that place. See, before I make any plans, tithing is the decision that I make. Before Amy and I as a couple plan or think about what we're going to do, we say, no, no, God is first. We're putting this 10% towards God and trusting God with that. We're, we're, We're saying, God, you are in charge. If we can have that kind of obedience to God in that way, it's powerful what God can produce in our lives. You know, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and he's speaking to the, to the heart of the issue with the Pharisees. He says in Luke 19, verse 40 to 45, Jesus speaking plainly to the Pharisees, which are the religious people of the day. He says this, it opens with this, Fools! Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor and you will clean all and you will be clean all over what sorrow awaits you pharisees for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens but you ignore justice and the love of god he says this you should tithe yes but do not neglect the more important things And that's Jesus speaking to us right there. Yes, we should tithe. That is a principle that God has set up through the old and the new. But he's also saying, you know what else is important? Your relationship with Jesus. You know what else is important? The way that you treat people. You know what else is important? The way you have compassion and love and concern and care for those that are around you. These things are important. You're not just created to to, to give your tithe, to be able to keep all the rules, but be rude to people. We're not just created to be able to hate our brothers and sisters. We're actually meant to get those important things right. And you're, the most important things in our life are relationships with God and with people. And I think tithing is just a sign of saying, God, I trust you. I trust you with my finances. The second thing this morning is this, make a plan. You know, we, we, we often think about our finances and we can find ourselves in trouble we can find ourselves in a mess and this isn't a condemning message this morning i hope this is a releasing message because none of us have got this perfect but we're all trying to make our way but the bible clearly says to us that where there is no vision the people perish so when we don't have a plan moving forward we can find ourselves overwhelmed by financial burdens i love in proverbs 21 5 it says this is on the screen the plans of the diligent Lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. I think one of the most important things is to have a plan. You know, when it comes to Amy and I, when it comes to our finances, we, we do the best we can to have a plan. We have things that we want to do. We wanted to do our kitchen up. And so we had this, we had this disgusting, bright green kitchen when we bought our house. And so we made the decision, well, Amy made the decision, that that, that kitchen is going to go at some point. And, uh, 
And, and, and we kind of started to plan towards that. How are we going to make that happen? How are we going to pay for that? How are we going to do that? Every time we bought a house or where we thought about where we want to be or when it comes to our giving, we think about we do direct deposits for different things, whether that's uh, our tithing or our missions or different areas. We make a plan to make what we want to do in our minds and in our hearts become a reality. And the truth is when it comes to our finances, if you don't make a plan, you're never going to move forward and achieve it. You know, there is young people here today, you think it's impossible to be able to buy a house. It's impossible to be able to live with financial freedom. Well, let me tell you this morning, I really believe that it is possible. I think there's so much negativity that can come over our minds when it comes to what this world speaks to us, but it's amazing what can be achieved if you have a plan. And so you know what? Over time, I believe God, I trust God, we can get there as we just take our time and just continue to do it. Luke 14, 28 says, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? And so I think for all of us, as we start to plan, make decisions together, and we start to work together towards things, it's amazing what we can achieve. And let me just say this for married couples. There's a um, principle that when I was selling investment properties that uh, we always used to, to go through when I was working with Dave Ferguson and selling investment properties with him. And there's something that he would always say. He'd say, never get one of the spouses by themselves and explain the plan to them and talk to them. You need to get both of them together. Because if you explain the whole thing to one person and you go through it all and they're sold on the idea and they're thinking, this is fantastic, they go home and their wife or their husband wasn't there in that plan. And that plan is just about to change because they haven't experienced it. They haven't seen it. They haven't had it explained. They haven't seen the figures and how this is going to work. It's really important. And I say this in love. It's really important in partnership, in, in relationships, in marriages, to be on the same plane, on the same page. To have that same plan, to say, you know what, when it comes to our finances, let's be united in our vision. I want to encourage you, have a conversation today. Talk about those things and make some decisions together. Third, this morning, the third thing is reduce debt. It says in Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. I think if we want to live in financial freedom, we need to make the decision to reduce debt. You know, there's good debt and there's bad debt. But when we're just building up um, car loans and building up motorbike loans and building up other loans and, and loans for holidays and things like that, they, they start to get to, uh, get to a place where it can be an unsustainable, stressful debt. You know, there's good debt like, like our mortgages for our homes and things like that. But I think one of the strengths of financial freedom is understanding, you know what, I'm going to have a plan to be able to reduce debt. As I can continue to reduce debt and make decisions to be able to get those things down, make wise decisions, get the right interest rates, don't accumulate other debts, pay extra off, make those decisions. This isn't a Ben principle. This is a biblical principle. It says here, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Think about our church family. Why are we trying to pay down the mortgage? Why are we trying to make sure this debt is eliminated in the years to come? Because we are a slave to our lender. And for us, we want to make sure that we are getting this debt paid down, getting ourselves in a position of financial freedom for the future, for the generations to come in Jesus' name. The fourth one is this, save. 
It says in Proverbs 13, 11, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Whoever gathers little by little will increase it. You know, saving, it can feel like a huge mountain. Does anybody else feel like this in their family where you you try so hard to save, but it just goes up so slowly? And you're thinking to yourself, why? It just goes up and then things happen and it goes back down. It goes up and it doesn't just keep going up like you want to see it on that graph. Someone sits with you and gives you a savings plan and you think, it's going to look like that in five years. And it doesn't. Things come up, things happen and they, they cost and it's difficult. And I love what it says here. That it says, wealth gained hastily will dwindle. How many times have we seen somebody win the lotto and then five years later they've got no money at all? I'm all, I always pray to God. I say, God, I won't be that person. If you bless me with winning the lotto, if you bless me with $5 million, if you, if you bless it with me, I, I will actually do the right thing with it, God. I'm a faithful servant. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Everybody else feel like that? But the truth is what happens is people, that money dwindles because they haven't got the capacity to be able to handle it. Actually, when you save, it's building capacity. It's building discipline. It's building strength into your life. You need to save for things like emergency funds, retirement, education, deposit for houses, holidays, larger purchases. These are all things that we save. You know, the Bible talks about the ant that saves in one season so it's ready for the next. It saves in harvest so it's ready for the winter. And I think it's important for all of us to understand that saving is not, just not about today. It's about tomorrow and the next day and what we can do. And it puts us in a position of financial strength to be able to bless and serve others. Number five is to invest into your future. In Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1, it says, Send your grain across the seas and in time profits will flow back to you. But divide your investments among many places for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. I love that. Send your grain across the seas and in time, profits will flow back to you. I think it's a decision that we make to invest. You know, one of the big things that we can do is invest in ourselves. Invest in our families. I'm not just talking about investing in houses and cars. Invest in our education. Invest in things that are strengthening us to be able to increase our financial strength into the future. Investing in, in, in properties, investing in things that are going to bring financial strength, that's a blessing as well. I love what it talks about here because there's things that when we invest and when we make wise decisions that actually set us up for the future. I remember when Amy and I bought our first home a few years ago in the beautiful suburb of Cranebrook. And, and we were just so thrilled to be able to buy our first home. And we, we bought a three-bedroom duplex, and we bought it for $285,000. And we, you know what we bought it with? A deposit of $9,000. And it was the most money we'd ever owned. And we thought, this is incredible, $9,000. And we bought our first property. We got the first home buyer's grant, and we bought that property. And uh, in four years' time, the amount of money that we sold that place for was incredible. Now... I'm not a handyman. I had done nothing to that house. It was probably in worse condition than when we received it four years ago. 
But it was amazing to see the increase that had happened from that investment over that four-year period. In fact, the amount of money that that house went up every year, I could not have saved on my own. But that investment into that place was an incredible blessing to us. And I tell you what, when we make decisions, trusting God, making wise decisions and investing our finances in the right ways, it's amazing the increase that can come into our world that sets us up to be a blessing to our family and the future to come. It says in in Scripture that a good man sets up an inheritance for his children's children. See, financial strength isn't just about us. It's actually about others. It's actually trusting God that we can be an overflow of blessing to those that are around us. As we invest and make wise decisions, we are setting up the generations to come to be blessed in Jesus' name. Number six, I've only got seven of these, so don't, don't stress. Number six is to have a generous eye. It says in Proverbs 22, 9, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. That's a truth. That as we make the decision to be generous with our finances, blessing will come. It says in Scripture that God gives seed to what? The sower. He gives seed to the sower. So as we sow, God is placing seed in our hand to be able to give. It's one of those faith moments like Peter walking on the water. We start contributing and giving the seed. And it's amazing how God continues to be able to put that seed into our hand as we just sow, we sow, we sow. And God just keeps putting seed in our hand to be a blessing to those that are around us. And it's amazing what God can do. You know, I think about this church and the incredible amount of money that people give towards missions all around the world, both in our nation and around the world. And think about the sponsored children that people give towards in this church. I think about the Philippines. I think about these young kids that didn't grow up in Australia like us. They don't have the, the blessing of what we have. That are, are probably terrified right now at a time like this where COVID is just ravaging the world. They're already living with uncertainty. But through the faithful giving and people in this church, above and beyond their, their, their giving to this church, they say, you know what, I can make a difference. And you know what that generosity does? That generosity make, takes your influence out of Australia and starts to spread it around the world. It starts to impact other people and other children. And it, it's amazing how your life expands as your generosity expands. And I love what it says in Scripture, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Who would have thought they've got family in the Philippines because of a decision to be generous? Who would have thought that you're impacting a whole area in the Philippines because of your generosity? And that's what generosity does, as we have an eye for generosity, as we look for it, as we look for moments and opportunities to be generous. It's amazing what God will do. It says in Scripture, a faithful man will abound with blessing. And that's what I'm believing over all of your lives as we just continue to be faithful, that God would bring blessing. And finally this morning, number seven, is to grow yourself. If you want to live with financial freedom, we have to take that responsibility to to grow ourselves. If you want to progress in your job, if you want to progress in your level of authority, 
you have to make the decision to grow yourself. I love when I see people applying themselves to be able to grow. You know, I think about, I can see Tim McDonald up the back here. He's, he's, he's gone through this process to get his builder's license so that he can progress in his work. That creates a, another level of income. It creates another level of opportunity and there's authority that's onto that. And everyone sees the blessing of that on the other side, but they don't see the hard work of the study that goes into that. They don't see the hard work of the renovating and all the things that goes behind that to help grow yourself, to put yourself in that position. And I think for all of us, when it comes to financial strength and financial freedom, one of the greatest investments we can make is to invest into ourselves. Invest in your education. Invest in getting understanding in these areas. Invest in getting the right budgets and things in place and talking to people that can help and build your life. It's important. These things... They help us to be able to move forward. And I think for all of us, we need to build a a repertoire of being able to look at where we've been and make a plan for how we can improve and move forward in our financial strength. Look at our own lives and say, how can I grow so that I can have the capacity not to be someone that gets millions of dollars because they've won the lotto and lose it all, but I've actually grown myself in such a way that I have the capacity to be able to handle wealth. And I can be a blessing. It's not going to own me, but I'm going to own it and be a good steward with it and make wise decisions to be able to help and to bless others. You know, I've got a, um, a friend that used to work for the Crown Group. He sold over a billion dollars in property. And uh, this guy is a huge player when it comes to just selling massive amounts of property and being on a huge income. He's actually a pastor now. His wages dropped. <laughs> and this guy, incredible stories, but one of the things that he would do is over the years, he would build a repertoire and he just, he just continued to be able to progress in his job. But when he did something well, he would build a resume of strength. And so he'd say to his manager, hey, you were... You said I did a great job on that. Could you put that in writing for me? And you said, and, and what he'd do is he'd document the wins that he's had over the years. And that was part of his progression as he started to write those things out. And then that opened the doors for his next employment. And he started to use all these things. And can I encourage you to use what's in your hand right now? When you do well now, document it. Put, a, put, a, put a evidence of that there. Start to build up a testimony of what God has already done, what God is doing. It actually helps your employers to come, helps people understand what you've been involved in. It builds your resume. It's investing in yourself and moving you forward, showing people that you have the capacity to be able to manage wealth, the capacity to be able to handle things at a higher level. And it strengthens your life. Take on feedback, work hard, learn from others. Keep a record of your growth and see what God will do. Proverbs 13 11 says it this way. Wealth from get rich schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Don't just think about what you can do in the next year. What could you achieve in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years if you just slowly make those decisions to trust in God? And finally, this morning, we've talked about tithing. We've talked about making a plan. We've talked about reducing debt. We've talked about saving. We've talked about investing in your future. We've talked about having a generous eye. We've talked about growing yourself. You know, one of the most powerful things we can do 
is to actually pray. Pray over our finances. Pray for God's blessing and favor. You know, there's this scripture, as I finish with this, in 1 Chronicles 4 verse 10. It's the prayer of Jabez. It feels like the most selfish scripture. When I read it, it's this guy and it's going through a genealogy of all of these people, all these generations of people. And then Jabez just sticks out of this genealogy just in this chapter in the Bible because he was a man that had the audacity to ask God to bless his life. And it just says this, it says in Jabez, he called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil so that I may not cause pain. And so God granted him what he requested. You know, there's all the natural things that we do to get our finances in order, to make wise decisions, to plan, to execute all these strategies. But then there's also the power of God to bring strength and provision into our life and to say, God, I trust you with my finances. You may be a young person right now and that that hill to be able to get towards getting your deposit for a house may seem too great. But what if God's strength could come into your situation and instead of all the problems, we could see the possibilities in God. And yeah, you're faithful and yeah, you're doing everything that you could do, but what if God could bring unexpected increase into your life, a promotion, opportunity, things that would come into your world, favor that would come into your financial world that you couldn't orchestrate on your own. And that's what I'm believing for every person in this church. I'm believing that God would strengthen your home. Your financial strength would go up to a whole nother level. You know, it says in Philippians 4 verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for God's blessing, protection, and increase over your finances as we conclude this morning. So would you stand with me this morning? When it comes to money, there's so much that's said about it in this world. There's so much stress that we can experience. But we've got to get God's mind on it. What does Scripture say? What does the Bible say? What's the principles that are written there for us to live our lives by? That's what's important. Not what Ben says. Go to God yourself and say, God, what do you say? Search the Scriptures yourself. See those principles because it matters what He says. When we build on that foundation, there's only blessing to come. And we all know this. We are blessed to be a blessing. Our financial strength, it isn't about us. It is always about others. And so let's reach out our hands this morning. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for every single person in this building this morning. I thank you for those that are watching online. Lord, I thank you that you are a God of blessing and favor. I thank you that you are El Shaddai. We thank you that you are the God that is more than enough. We thank you that you are the God that can turn around things. We thank you that you're Jehovah Jireh. You are our provider. Lord, we thank you that in every season we can look to you. You are our strong tower. And God, right now we come to you and we ask for your financial favor and blessing on our lives. Lord, we pray that you bring provision and overflow into our lives, that you'd bless us so that we could be a blessing to others. Oh, that you would bless us and enlarge our territory, that you'd keep us from pain, Lord God, and that you'd open up opportunities of favor. Just like Jabez prayed, Lord, we pray for that this morning. 
We ask it over every member, over every family represented this morning here at City Church. We pray for your financial strength and favour, that you would strengthen our home. As we set ourselves to focus on your home, I pray that as a natural result, that blessing and favour would flow into our homes. And we pray for financial strength over all of our young people and families and those looking to retire every single stage of life. I pray you'd bring financial strength and security. Where there's fear and uncertainty and anxiety, Lord, replace it with confidence in you. Replace it with peace because of your promises. And replace it with your strength in the midst of our weakness. We ask for it this morning in Jesus' powerful name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Come on, let's sing one more time before we conclude this morning.